The Spirit of Religiosity, Lesson 2, The Communist Flavor. So with this lesson, there's a lot to kind of unpack, so I don't know how much we'll get to really dive into each part of it, but we'll try to see how much we can unpack from this. But there are dangerous demons that plague certain areas of the world. Now with that, we know that there's, you know, if you go to Atlanta, there's going to be a spirit of avarice. There's going to be different things in different areas of the world. You've got different demons. You've got the rank and file of demons, which we cover in spiritual warfare, one and two. So that will help you, from, especially Ephesians chapter 6, to understand the rank and file of demons. And when we see that, there are different demons and different strongholds in different areas. So not all of them are going to be the same. Now, we may all struggle against powers, principalities, things of that nature, but there's going to be these rulers of darkness, things of that nature, over different nations, over different parts of the earth, different parts of the world to really have a different flavor in different areas. Each region or sphere of jurisdiction has its own strongholds depending on the area's culture. So that is the heart of that is each culture has its own flavor, so it's going to have its own demon. So each spirit or demon works to create a false sense of security, inclusion, and provision. We'll say that again. Each spirit or demon works to create, it works to create it, a false sense of security, inclusion, and provision. Although this may sound like a description of the demon of communism, the, the, the subject of these lessons is the demon of religiosity. So the, the, the relig, religious demon mimics the demon of communism in mandating to identify with groups, especially ethnicities. We would say race, nationality, language, religion, do, denomination, even in our culture, culture itself, or background. So that is one of the, one of the areas that the spirit of religiosity mimics the demon of communism. The next one is sexuality, sexual orientation, sexual preference, gender expression, and gender identity. So what's this all got to do with religiosity and people going to church and being religious? We'll get to that in just a moment. And our other one that the religious demon mimics is other interest. We would say interest creating exclusion of others who do not share the same interest. So those of the ethnic groups gathered to distance themselves from everyone else. There are some churches, they are straight white. They don't like anybody else coming to their church. If you're Indian, if you're black, if you're Latino, they don't like it. That's sad to say, but there are some churches like that. And even if they don't express it of saying, well, you're not welcome here, they will, they will ostracize everybody that comes in to visit, making them feel that because that's really what's in their heart. <laughs> that's like, you know, We'll even take, well, I'm not going to get into that yet. But with this, if we're not careful, we'll do that same thing, even with a religious demon, with a religious air about us, we'll do that same thing. Oh, well, they're, well they're, they're this color, or they're that color. you know. And it's not just white people. Now, I'll pick on that because I'm white, but black people do the same thing. We were, when we were in Fort Knox, Kentucky, we wanted to go to Pentecostal church. So there was one outside the gate, and it was predominantly black we were the only white family there that when we visited the couple of services that we visited we were it felt odd going in because we were the only white people praise god they knew how to worship they knew how to preach the word we enjoyed it we loved it and there were some that would just kind of stare at us and look at us but then there was others that would come up to us and welcome us so you could tell the hearts of the people even though that we were the only whiteies it was in the whole congregation that you could tell who wanted us to be there, who really wanted that fellowship with anybody. But you could also tell the ones that have been steeped in the religiosity of, well, this is our church, we're all black, they don't belong here. And that's sad to say. And if we're not careful, we'll all fall into some sort of trap along that, along that plan because it's the spirit of religiosity. It wants to create division in that regard even though the falsity wants to make it look like everybody's coming together. Because <laughs> that's the way communist works, communism works, is it makes you feel like, oh, we're all going to be one big group. 
We're all going to be one big group. We're going to share everything. And everybody's going to be taken care of. Everybody will have the best. Everybody will make sure that every need is taken care of. We just got to share everything. But yet, really what the spirit of communism, the demon of communism does, is it starts breaking up into sections. The rich, the poor, weeds out the middle class. And it brings so much division because it pits everybody against each other. But the falsity is, let's all be one. That sounds like the modern church. Let's all be one. Oh, you believe in that tongues? Oh, you believe in that, you believe in that doctrine? You believe that you should be holy? <laughs> That's the flavor. That's the reason it mocks communism so well. Because when you get around lukewarm, half-baked pagan Christians, they will ostracize anybody that truly serves God because they feel uncomfortable and they feel convicted, but yet they preach oneness to everybody else. Come and be with us. You're welcome here. Welcome home. Welcome this. Welcome that. You know how many churches I have seen with all of those same flavors and those same mottos? I went to one town south of here Everybody had welcome home as their slogan. You go to a town over, everybody. I've multiple churches. I'm not making this up. You can go to, to Cleveland, Tennessee. You can go to Chattanooga. You can go to all these different places. Just so if you want to look it up, make sure you fact check me. If you're going to go to these places, you'll see slogans where it says, you're welcome here. That seems to be everybody's slogan in that area. Why? Because it's the same demon that ministers to these pastors and churches to make everybody feel welcome because they're lukewarm. Because when everybody's lukewarm, then you're going to run off the ones that want to be hot for God because you cool them down. Or if they're not really that hot, they'll come in, get cooled off. And as I've said one time before, if you're not burning the things at the altar of God, you'll cool off one ice cube of sin at a time. Because what you do is you just, add a, you just add, if you're not on the fire of God to keep you burning, to keep you hot, then one sin will be drugged in because you're off of the fire. It's going to eventually start cooling you off, cooling you off, cooling you off. But you, what you have to do to remedy that is put yourself back on the fire. God is a consuming fire. That's what the Word says. Not my opinion, it's what the Word says. He's a consuming fire. doesn't mean He just burns one little area of your life. He's to consume all of your life. Amen. But those of the ethnic groups gather to distance themselves from everyone else. The sexuality group gathers to express their sexual nature without confrontation. I'm reminded of a church in Cookville that's a pro-gay church. <laughs> Part of me wants to call the name, but I'm not going to. There's a church in Cookville that's pro-gay. Well, they preach acceptance. They preach love. Guy goes in there asking questions. There's a video of this on YouTube. You can look it up later. I'm not going to promote it, but he goes in there to ask them questions about doctrine. They run him out. Actually, on this video, this, there's a couple of guys that physically assault him. On all he's doing is asking biblical questions. Well, what's your stance on this? What's your stance on this? He starts quoting Scripture to them. What do you, what do you guys think about this? And they shove him they, they shove him hard, not just barely pushing him. They shove him, I mean, jerking him back and shove him out the door. But where's the love and acceptance? He had, this guy actually mentions in this video, wait a minute, where's the love and acceptance that you just preached on to everybody? Why don't you love and accept me? All I'm doing is asking Bible questions. But see, that's the demon of religiosity to make you feel like everybody's included. But once you buck up against the system and you represent the holy things of God, oh, no, 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 you can't be here. Oh, no, 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 we don't want that. You're not welcome here. Oh, you're not welcome here. They'll try to run you off because you stand for something holy. You stand for something that's of God and not of this demon of religiosity. <laughs> the spirit of religiosity wants to pee in a cup and make you think it's Gatorade. That's exactly what the demon of religiosity wants to do. It wants to promise you, oh, this is sweet and it'll taste good to you, but when you taste it, you're like, something's not right. Yes, it's because it's demon pee. You shouldn't partake of that. You shouldn't partake of anything that the devil has to offer or any of his demons. <laughs> 
While other interest groups gather for their favorite topics common among the, co- the group without judgment. So in other words, it includes everybody else. If you've got a group that gathers together for another reason that's outside the ethnicities, outside of the sexual orientation or sexual interest groups or whatever, that they're not confronting their sin, then you've got everybody else that lumps together. That's usually where denominations fall in. <laughs> we used to joke being, a, being Baptocostal uh, because you would have these organizations that would come in. We called them uh, demon, not demonizations instead of denominations because you, what you would find is you would have these groups of people. They would gather together under one thing and if you didn't believe that, you were all going to hell. And that's not the way that God works. And I, I've tried to buffet and harass the demon of religiosity in this region, and I still am, because I'm too stubborn to quit, and that's what God's called me to do. So I'll keep doing it. But if we can, if we can agree on Hebrews 6, 1 and 2, the foundational doctrines of Jesus Christ, the, the cardinal doctrines of the New Testament, then we should be able to get along and serve God. It's a demon that says, when you can't agree on these little petty doctrines that somebody's going to hell, that is where that demon of religiosity is speaking to that person. Amen. So each of these groups creates a sense of security by keeping everyone on the same level rather than seeing any errors of these groups while simultaneously breeding a disdain for people in any of the, of the other groups. So in other words, you're trying to create a oneness, but you're dividing everybody. And you hate the people that are holy and stand for God. Acts 10, 34, 35, New Living Translation. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. Doesn't talk about your ethnicities. Doesn't talk about your sexual orientation. Doesn't talk about your other little pet things. It says God shows no favoritism. He loves everybody. He wants everybody that all should come to repentance. And he says in, in every nation he accepts. That means there's some he rejects. So if he rejects, he only accepts what? Accepts those who fear him, those who honor him, those who love him, and do what is right. So having a love for God is not enough. You've got to do what he says. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Many people say, I love you, God. I love you, God. I love you, Jesus. I love you, God. And then they won't do anything he says. God's, Jesus, according to his own words, that means you don't love him. You don't love him if you don't keep his commandments. <laughs> Romans 2.11, New Living Translation. For God does not show favoritism. Straighten to the point. <laughs> James 2, 1 amplified, My fellow believers, do not practice your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of partiality toward people. Show no favoritism, no prejudice, no snobbery. I can't tell you how many churches I've been into where I dress like this or maybe how I do on Thursday night, which is a little bit more uh, relaxed, but I still usually wear a, a suit jacket, wear slacks, or maybe a three-button or something of that nature. And people, I've walked in the doors, and there's a church in Fort Polk we, we used to go to, and I would dress up like this on Sunday or our midweek. I'd dress up a little bit different. But I'd go to, and, he, and the pastor there would look at me and say, Oh, you going to preach today? Because I was dressed up more than he was. It wasn't, it wasn't soon after that. Well, actually, I think <laughs> me being... Still have been through Pastor Chris at that time, not as much as I am now. But I looked at him and said, "Well, if I need to, be instant in season, out of season." I'm like, I'm not, I'm not scared of any man. Any man's not going to cower me down. And I was, I was raised. You teach at the drop of a hat because God wants you to. There's been a few times growing up, my dad being a pastor, I was called to preach. And we were sitting in the amen corner, the old Baptist way of doing things. And I would be over there with my dad, and, and he looked at me. It was during the hymnal songs, you know, like one of the very first things that you do when you open up the service in Baptist church. And he looked at me and said, I'm not feeling too well today. Can you preach? Yeah, okay, yes, sir. I will. So I got up. What did I teach on? 
Put on the armor of God. This is what I've been studying. That was way before the military. But you gotta be, you, we're supposed to be ready. And if you really have a heart for God, you're ready to do anything He asks of you at any time. Amen. Amen. And that includes loving one another and not showing partiality. Now, one thing I am honored and, and I'm glad that most people here have caught my heart on this at least, is we don't show partiality. Anybody can walk on those doors and we should show them love no matter what they look like. No matter if they're dirty and filthy, we've had people come in here smelling the high heaven. We didn't run them off. We still welcomed them. We still shook their hand. We even hugged them, loved on them, gave them a, a, you know, a first-time attendee packet, let them stay through service. We just welcomed them, said, hey, if, you, if God has called you here, come back. We'd love to have you. <laughs> There's been other things we've had kind of come to the church and kind of come and go, but we welcome everybody. Because everybody that hears the truth of the Word of God to allow it to change their life. Amen. The demon of religiosity uses the, uses the ethnic group to keep churches from fellowshipping with one another and dividing over race, language, and culture. It uses the sexuality group to participate in sexual sin while excusing it because of its Christian label. In other words, it uses the sexuality group to participate in sexual sin, allowing any sexual sin to run rampant through that congregation or through that area. And it will excuse it, says, oh, but we're born again, but we're born again, but we're born again. That doesn't excuse sin. That's what that demon does. Kind of leads to your hyper grace, once saved, always saved. A lot of these heresies that, that will fall to this spirit of religion, the spirit of religiosity, it will use that as a get-out-of-jail-free card. Get-out-of-sin-free card. That's what it is. But we, but we go to church. We're, we say we're born again, so it's got to pass. God's got to accept it because we said we're born again. No. God doesn't have to accept anything. God does not have to accept anything. God can choose whether He accepts things or not. And what He accepts is what He says in His Word He accepts. He doesn't accept, you know, a box of poo that we that we poo in and hand it to him and say, all right, God, here, I got you a present. No, I, don't reje I reject that. I don't want that. I'm not accepting that. That's not what I've told you to give me. That's not how I've told you to live. That's not what I've told you to offer me. But yet, that's what we want to do. We want to offer him dung and say, all right, God, you got to accept this because I've done this for you. I took the time to use the bathroom in this box to give it to you. So you got to accept it, God. God says, no, I'm not accepting that. That's what our religiosity amounts to in God's eyes is a box of poo. Box, we'll go King James. A box of dung. Amen. But this demon uses other interest groups like connect groups, small groups, and I know I'm about to make some people mad right now, creating cliques with less focus on the things of God and more focus on natural things. I'm going to read that again just because I know I'm punching this demon right in the mouth this morning. This demon, this demon, the demon of religiosity, uses other interest groups like connect groups, small groups. Do you know the guy that created small groups for churches over in Asia? He said, you foolish Americans, we created this because we have to have church in hiding and do things like, of that nature. He said, but the American church took it on and have made it a big ordeal when all it's doing is dividing the church. So when I, when I talk about small groups, connect groups, things of that nature, people are like, well, you got to get with the times. Well, you just did. You just. No, no, no. The pastor is the pastor. Nobody else is called to be the pastor. We don't have a youth pastor. We don't have a music pastor. We don't have other pastors. We have one pastor. Because when you have many voices, you'll confuse the sheep, and God is not the author of confusion. That's why there's one pastor, and we have department heads. The heads that go over that department. But everything is submitted to the pastor, and I submit everything unto God. So we have, this, we, we have this doctrine of we don't do small groups, connect groups, because if you'll watch a lot of your, any church that does these things, they'll offer these things to the, to ever, to the whole congregation. If you want to go 
to study about the book of Revelation, you can go to this group. If you want to go and study about mom and this and that, being a mom and being whatever, you can go to this group. And if you want to be fishers of men, where we'll talk about fishing and having this and relate it to the kingdom of God, you can go to this group. Why not go to where you need to hear the word of God? Because sometimes what we need to hear is not what we want to hear. <laughs> but this spirit of religiosity washes over the people and you give them what they want instead of what they need. Then you have fat, lazy, glutton, half-baked pagans for Christians who don't honor God. They honor their own belly. They honor their own desires. And all they're doing is just walking their way to hell because they're blinded by the demon of religiosity. Just like people marched to the communist tomb and died in the fire, died in the ovens, died in all kinds of different things, died of starvation, died of all kinds of things, but yet they were marching blindly to say, we're going to serve communism, we're going to serve Hitler, we're going to serve Mussolini, we're going to serve all these mighty heroes. And they all marched to their death. It's no different than this, the demon of religiosity. Many so-called Christians are marching on their way to hell, being blinded the whole time. It's the reason Jesus said, do not let men deceive you. <laughs> Three methods of change, not positive. <laughs> this demon rewrites history, reinvents language, and implants ideas of social justice. <laughs> now, you've got to remember, we're talking about the spirit of religiosity, but this coincides so much with the demon of communism. The easiest way to change the hearts and minds of people and allow this demon to gain power is through these methods. So the first one we discussed, rewrite history. Rewriting history according to the, to the, the voice of the religious demon sounds like you don't, read, you don't need to read the Old Testament. We've been delivered from that. Or... Maybe a different translation would be, you don't need to read the Old Testament. It's all the law, and we've been delivered from that. However you want to dice it up, it's still, it's still bull in the eyes of God. While the Bible states clearly that Christians are to give heed to all Scriptures. All Scriptures. That means from the Genesis 1-1 all the way through the end of the book of Revelation, and I would even dare say you could even add maps in there, because that way you can see everything that's going on, where things took place. Everything in between needs to be taken care of and taken to heart by God's people. 2 Timothy 3.16 All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All Scripture. All Scripture. So if it's all Scripture... Oh, wait a minute. This is 2 Timothy. This is New Testament. So if it's all Scripture, why do some people want to exit out the Old Testament? This specifically says all Scripture. Remember, at this time, the New Testament hasn't even been written yet. This is an epistle. So what is Paul referring to? The Old Testament. What we would know as the Old Testament. So if, if Paul is saying all Scripture, and he's only got one reference to what we know as the Old Testament, if that is given by the inspiration of God... Why would you do away with it? Unless you're a spiritual retard that is given in to this demon to rewrite history. You know, kind of like how people want to rewrite history today of saying the Holocaust never happened. Tell that to the millions of Jews. Tell that to the millions of Jews that suffered loss. <laughs> but not only is it an inspiration of God, it's profitable for doctrine. Huh. So in other words, let's get rid of the old Scripture so that way we can do what we want to and build a new foundation of how we want to live and how we want to build the church, how we want to be lukewarm, backslidden, on our way to hell. Because we've got to get rid of the old stuff so that way we can bring the new stuff in. That's the way communism works. You get rid of the old so that way people don't catch, wait a minute, this sounds familiar. This sounds familiar. I think this happened years ago. But if you've rewritten history, you won't learn from your mistakes. <laughs> but see, if you rewrite the history of God, then you're apt to make the same mistakes the children of Israel did. What'd they do? 
They circled the mountain plenty of times getting in trouble with God. And that would doom us to the same mistake. And We already kind of do that in our own lives personally because we'll circle the same mountain. We'll circle the same sin. We'll circle the same thing. But when you have this spirit speaking to you, you have this demon speaking to you, you'll rewrite the Old Testament and you'll get rid of all of that and then just keep marching toward what this spirit wants to offer you. Not us in the name of Jesus. It's profitable for doctrine, profitable for reproof, profitable for correction, and profitable for instruction in righteousness. Hmm. So in other words, you get rid of the Scripture, then you won't have to worry about reproof, correction, instruction. You don't have to worry about those things. Everybody is a winner in the modern church. Everybody gets to go to heaven in the modern church. Why? Because they've rewritten history. They've given in to this demon. Romans 15.4 Such things were written in the Scriptures long ago to teach us. Hmm. New Testament. These Scriptures were written to teach us. And the Scriptures give us hope. It's meany-weeny stuff. Well, maybe if you understand what's wrong, then you can fix it in your life and it will bring you hope. Hope of a better life. Of saying, I don't have to keep falling to this sin. I don't have to keep suffering through this. I can get victory. That should be our hope. Our hope should be in Jesus Christ. And encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Jesus speaking. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words. Word of God. Because remember, He is the Word made flesh. So if He's the Word made flesh, and He's saying my words, the Word, God's Word, then none of that will ever pass away. So why do so many Christians want to get rid of what God established and what Jesus said would never pass away? Probably because they won't confront something in their own life. When history is rewritten, the foundations are broken down to allow a new foundation to be laid on what this demon desires. God gives specific instruction to not lay the foundation again of His kingdom. Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. He says, don't lay again this foundation. He says, you don't lay it again. You're to be building upon it. But that requires maturity. Maturity is required to build upon top of a foundation. The next one is reinvent language. Reinventing language according to this to the voice of the religious demon sounds like let's be relevant in our community and have a conversation as a group. Now, I loved writing that term or writing that sentence because there are so many of those words that are modern that everybody loves to use. All your hippy-dippy Jesus churches, they love to say relevant, community, conversation, groups, they love saying those words. Why? Because it makes everybody feel good. Relevant. <laughs> we should only be relevant to the kingdom of God, not relevant to culture, not relevant to each other. Not relevant to the things of carnality, but relevant to the things of God. <laughs> Changing the meaning of words and creating a language based on culture allows the truth to be changed with the next trend. So when you change the meaning of words, you change and create a language based on culture, culture is going to change. Things are going to just ebb and flow. So it allows it, it prepares it to be, be ready to change for the next trend. So in other words, you're not building on a solid foundation, you're building on the sand. God's Word does not change, giving us an example that truth never changes. Truth never changes. <laughs> well, my truth, well, your truth can go to hell with you because that's where it came from. We, are based, we base everything we do on the truth. Remember, Jesus is the truth, the way and the life. We understand that. But the Word of God is truth and it doesn't change. Revelation twenty two eighteen and 19. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any, if, if any, excuse me, there must be a typo there, shall add unto these words, and to these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man 
shall take away from the words of this book of, prof- of this prophecy. God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the whole city and from the, from the things which are written in this book. So in other words, we don't add to, we don't take away. Matthew 4, 4, And he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He says you don't live by just what you sustain physically. You live out of the, out of the words of the mouth of God. To live by them. Not just to hear them. Not just to know them. You live by them. Romans 1.25 Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So in other words, Paul is pointing out here, he says you change the truth of God into a lie. That's what this, that's what this demon of religiosity wants to do. Change the truth of God into a lie. To make everybody feel comfy cozy as they burn up in hell. Because this, you got to remember, this is a demon we're talking about. We're not just talking about people that fall prey to this demon. We're talking about the demon itself. The demon itself wants to take everybody to hell as it can. And many preachers and pastors and modern Christians are falling for the snares and traps and schemes of this demon. But the Bible is designed to stand the test of eternity because it is the truth of God. Isaiah 40, verse 8, Psalm 119, 89, 1 Peter 1, 25. And that's re- kind of reiterating and kind of confirming that is the truth of God stands the test of time. Reinventing God's Word or the language of what He is saying destroys the very essence of God and His plan for people to use His Word to know Him. So in other words, when you kind of recreate, reinvent a language, and you destroy what God's Word really means and the truth of God, then what you're essentially doing is you're creating who, you're destroying who God is. You're creating a new God, a new Jesus. That's the reason we have the running joke, there's many Jesuses. Because there's, there's only one Jesus, but there's many Jesuses. There's only one God, but when you listen to go to all these different churches, they're especially falling victim to this spirit, this demon of religiosity you'll find that they'll all paint you a different picture of Jesus. I mean, if you listen to all these different churches, they make it sound like Jesus is schizophrenic. Like he's got so many personalities coming out. No, no, no. There's only one Jesus. He's found in the truth of the Word of God. Not what they paint. Found in the truth. That's the reason I'm a Word guy. That's the reason this is a Word church. We go by what the Word says, not our opinions, not what the culture says, not anything else. We go by the Word. Because when you get away from the Word, you're going into heresy. That's where it's leading. When you get away from the Word, you separate yourself from God. When His language is altered, the spiritual enemies win by taking away the communication of God to His people through His Word. True Christians must stand against this demon of changing God's Word. True Christians. True Christians will stand against this ebbing and flowing of making the language of the Bible and different things change. True Christians will stand and say, no, no, that's not what the Word says. The Word says this. Don't care what culture says. Don't care what the government says. This is what God, God says out of His Word. So implant ideas of social justice. This is going to be a fun one. Implanting ideas of social justice according to the voice of this religious demon sounds like that's the old way of believing. You know, where there was actual capital punishment. Where there was spanking your children. Where there was, that's the old way of believing. We don't take up people's money anymore. We just put a thing in the back and we just let people put in as they want to. Because if you take up tithes and offerings, that's the old way of believing. Because not everybody has money to put into the tithe and offering bucket. And when you do that, then you're making people feel uncomfortable because they don't have anything to put in. So you teach people to disrespect God to make everybody feel equal and on the same plane. (laughs) It places a need to change what is right according to a new trend or movement instead of being based on the firm foundation of the Word of God. You change what is, you change what is right according to a trend. Well, 
We know how trends go. Because we see how long bell bottoms last. We see how long leisure suits last. We see how long Elvis jumpsuits lasted. Not very long. So when you base your entire church and ministry on trends, it shows that you're nothing but a vapor. And if it grows real popular, you're nothing but a cancer. And you're going to eat up people's lives and send them to hell. Another form of thought is there is no truth, but only different points of view. That's a, that's a theme of social justice. There's really no truth. There's just different points of view to lead everybody to an agreement. We can see the idiocracy in that. God's Word is truth. Jesus is the truth. God does not change, and neither does His truth or His justice. What's right in His eyes? <laughs> John 14, 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. What if you hear a preacher or pastor say, well, there is no one truth. Did he just say there's no such thing as Jesus? That's something to think about. There is no one truth. Well, you mean there's no one Jesus? There's no one way to heaven? There's no one truth to get you to heaven? But see, when you go blindly, if being led by this demon, you'll fall for anything. And truth be told, you wanted to fall for it because it'd be so much easier. So much easier just to give in to the trends and be hip and cool. <laughs> that hip and cool, you might be cool now. You'll be hot in hell. Malachi 3.6 For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. <laughs> I am the Lord. I change not. It specifically says, I change not. So why do we think that Jesus changes every time the trends do? He doesn't. What God established in His Word has not changed, nor should it change, even with culture and society desiring to change God to fit their desires. So here are ten attributes of, of social justice. I'm not making these up. These are what you find when you look up just straight social justice. Nothing to do with the demon of religiosity. Nothing to do with that. Just strict, straight social justice. Number one, equity. Number two, human rights. Number three, democracy and civil rights. Number four, capacity building. Number five, just institutions. Number six, enabling environments. Number seven, Poverty reduction. Number eight, ethical practice. <laughs> ethical practice. Social justice. <laughs> Makes me laugh. Number nine, advocacy. And number ten, partnerships. Looking at this list, one may not see the danger in these attributes, but the motives behind such a scheme is to divide resources, opportunities, and privileges in social and society, leaving room for all manner of lifestyle to be equal and protected. That's the demon of social justice and the demon of religiosity. We're all on the same playing field. We're all equal here. Let me stay on, try to stay on track with this before I want to preach that by itself. God does not constitute every lifestyle to be equal of equal rights when sin is unrepented. That's the deciding factor. Because what does social justice want to do? It wants to encourage gang members that you can do what you want to, kill as many people as you want to, rob anybody you want to, and as soon as the police catch you, oh, you're choking me, oh, you're choking me, oh, I can't, I can't breathe, oh, I can't breathe. Okay. But that's what social justice wants you to say. That's what social justice wants you to act. Now, I am not belittling when that really happens. When police mistreat people, I am not saying that that's right. I'm not saying that's okay. But social justice wants you to say that as soon as you're caught. Why? Because it wants you to be on the equal playing field with that police officer, even though you've proven yourself to be lawless, even though you've proven you can't self-govern you can't take care of yourself. So somebody with the proper authority has got to come along and say, all right, you can't control yourself. We've got to put you under arrest. We've got to take control of you. But social justice says, well, to be equal, 
You start crying out these fake things so that they'll treat you better. When you've proven you had no, you had no equal treatment in who you killed, who you robbed, who you just mistreated, but you want it for yourself. <laughs> but unrepentant sin, God does not have favor on that. God does not condone that. If we, even if we look at this list, human rights. Everybody should have the right to worship God. Everybody should have rights to be taken care of, not to be mistreated. But sometimes our rights are taken away because we can't take care of ourselves. Because we don't heed what is being told to us as wisdom. And so you have things taken away to hopefully help you learn from those mistakes. I really want to go through this whole list of ten because we could break down each one of them, but I don't have time this morning. But God removes His hand of protection and provision to those who choose sin and not to repent. We have plenty of Scripture to back that up. God removes His hand of protection. It's not God allowing bad things to happen to you. You've rejected Him. He takes His hand off. It's like you've smacked God's hand and God says, Okay. Those who believe, those who believe this make themselves a God to decide what is right and fair. When you think that everybody's, everybody's good and everybody's right in the eyes of God, everybody should be equal and everybody should live whatever manner of the style, lifestyle they want to, whether they're in sin or not, you yourself are making yourself a God because you're declaring what's right and what's not. When God says, nope, I can't honor that, I'm moving my hand of protection. They don't want me as their God, so I'm taking my hand of protection off. Proverbs 26 10 through 11 and 13 says, An employer who hires a fool or a bystander is like an archer who shoots at random. As a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. The lazy person claims there is a lion on the road. Yes, I'm sure there's a lion out there. <laughs> Pastor, why did you add all those? Hang on just a moment. These verses display that when a lazy person seeking distribution without working for it receives it, when they receive it, they go back to the old manner of life with a poverty mindset. That's like when you see people playing scratch-offs and you see people playing lottery. They'll, because they have a poverty mindset, they'll buy that ticket. And then when they win something, a couple years later, you see them back in poverty. They're right back in that house trailer. They're right back to the broken down vehicle. They're right back to the, all this old way of living. Why? Because they didn't change their mind. They didn't change the way they thought about things. They didn't change the way that they were supposed to handle their life. All they done was got into some money, blew it all on junk and stuff, and then they're right back to where they was because they never allowed themselves to change their mind of how they view the way they're supposed to live. So this causes the social justice purposes to be in vain while draining those who do work. This causes the social justice purposes to be in vain while draining those who do work. An agenda of this nature is not biblical. We would, I would dare say this same mindset bleeds into the church as everyone, everyone should partake in the ministry of helps, things of that nature. But many people have a welfare mindset or a poverty mindset of, well, I just come to be blessed. I just come to receive this. I just come to receive. I just come to receive. And they never come to give. It's the same mindset as this social justice where you come in, you're, in, you're entitled to everything that you have, everything at your beck and call, and you have to do nothing for it. So 2 Thessalonians 3.10, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. And I've quoted this before preaching, or I've said this before preaching, that almost should be our attitude toward the house of God. If you don't work here, you don't eat. You don't work in the kingdom of God, you shouldn't partake of what's being delivered here. Now, yes, we know when, when first-time attendees or visitors or guests come, we know we don't expect them to do that. But if you're called to this church and then part of what we're doing here, part of any church, local body, you should have the mentality of, I'm going to work I'm going to work during the services, whether it's helping clean, whether it's children's services, whether it's sound of media, whether, whatever it is, ushering, whatever, whatever you could 
Think of whatever God's called you to do to work in the ministry of helps. You work because we, don't, we shouldn't work every service. We have a rotation. It's what we try to do as a church. But you work so that way the other services you can come and feast. Lord, what's the word that you have for me today? I want to feast on the meat of God. So we should not have this social justice mindset or this poverty mindset even when it comes to the house of God, but this same spirit bleeds into the things of God. That's what its goal is. So then you have even your mega churches, even your bigger churches in this region, they have a lot of people that will come and go and never do anything for the house of God. So how, much, how many blessings are they missing because they're not taught to honor the house of God, not to put their hand to something in the house of God, but they're just taught you can come, you can go as you please. You can do whatever you want to. Stay in your sin, come. We're not going to confront you. You can come, do nothing, just sit there, warm up a, bit, warm up a seat, and then leave. How many blessings are people missing because they're not taught to honor the house of God and not taught to be part of the ministry, not just to be ministered to? Remember, Jesus even said, I didn't come to be ministered to, I came to minister to others. So that means that the, the people with that mentality have a higher expectation of themselves than Jesus Christ. Because if Jesus wasn't come to be ministered to, he came to minister, what makes those people higher than Jesus to come and say, Minister to me, everybody. Take care of my kids. Wash everything in here. Make sure the bathroom's got plenty of toilet paper. Make sure the bathroom's got plenty of paper towels. Make sure everything's taken care of. Because when I come, if you don't have it right, I'm going to fuss and complain. Because I came to be ministered to. <laughs> I told you this was going to be a fun lesson. Ephesians 4.28 says, Let the thief steal no more, but rather let him be industrious making an honest living with his hands so that he may be able to give to those in need. So in other words, don't steal anymore. Don't be a sinner. Turn it around. Be industrious. Make things for yourself. Make a life for yourself. So that way, not only will you have, but you can give to others. Especially with a testimony like that, you can say, you know what? I, at one time, I stole because I was in need. But praise God, I was able to turn my life around, receive what I had need of, get a good job, and now I can help others because I know what it feels like to be on, on hard times. I know what it feels like to go through this. So that way they don't have to steal. I can be a blessing to each and every one of them. That's a true testimony of God. But we've got to lean on Him and follow Him and allow Him to help us as we put our hand to the kingdom and what He tells us to do. Many who seek social justice agendas fall into one of a few categories, being deceived that everyone deserves equality and everyone will succeed forever. Me, I'm not saying, as I'm writing this lesson, I'm not saying that everyone does not deserve equality as far as the same opportunities because everybody should be able to hear the gospel. Everybody should be given certain opportunities to make for themselves, make for themselves a wonderful life, whatever the case may be. But the deception in this point is that when you give everybody the same opportunities, everybody will succeed. That's the deception. Because not everybody will succeed. And you can see Ephesians 4.28 for that. Our next one is pushing for equality to stay in their sin and not be required to change. That's another point. The people, when they fall into this social justice mentality... It's, they push for equality. Because remember, human rights, democracy, civil rights, you have just institutions, enabling environments, poverty reduction, ethical practice, advocacy, partnerships. You have all of these things, all of this list that we just mentioned a few moments ago. But what's the heart of why they're pushing it? They're pushing it for equality to stay in sin and not be required to change. And our last one, we have verses for all these. And our last one, as far as this goes... For, or looking for, an easy, for, for the easiest method to live without having to exert any efforts. To exert any effort. I don't want to do that. I don't want to work. I'd rather draw welfare. Well, <laughs> that's as far as you'll go in life. <laughs> I actually told one of my sons the other day, they were talking about, well, I never get to help with this. I never get to help with that. And I said, well, you're too young. And then so they started puffing up, and I said, you better get rid of that victim mentality. I said, because you'll go nowhere with a victim mentality. You'll do nothing with your life if you keep that victim mentality. 
You got to overcome it now and tell it where to go. Get rid of it or you'll go nowhere. Well, that's awful hard. You're a hard daddy. No, no, no. I'm a daddy that loves the word because the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. I think we've covered this. I think we've covered many of that in many sermons, me pastoring here over two years now. But when it's not taught to overcome, you'll never change. That's why you have so many lukewarm Christians. They're not taught to overcome, so they never change. As one can see, the first category is noble, but deceived in thinking that everyone desires help to do better. Everyone may desire better, but not everyone will work toward better. Everyone may desire better. Man, if I only had this, I'd have a better life. Well, what are you doing about it? Many people will talk, but not many people will do. Let's go back to, let's go, let's go back to our verse 13 from Proverbs 26 that we mentioned a moment ago. I said, we'll come back to this. It says, the lazy person claims there's a lion on the road. Yes, I'm sure there's a lion out there. That comes back to this. Everyone may desire to do better, but not everyone will work toward better. The lazy person says, oh, I can't go to work. Oh, I can't do this. Oh, I can't do this, pastor. Oh, I can't do that, boss. I can't do this. I can't do that. Well, like my granddaddy used to say, can't never could do nothing. You would go nowhere with a can't attitude. <laughs> a can attitude will take you out of the trash can. A can attitude will take you off the can or the pot or the toilet. It will get your life out of the toilet and into somewhere that you can manage to have a good life. Throughout the method of social justice agendas, the Word of God must be torn down to build the foundation of the false hope for the community. Does this sound familiar? A false hope for the community? This method is the same lie that communism promised to many people throughout history but has proven to destroy people as opposed to the blessings of the truth of God that builds futures and eternities. In rewriting history, reinventing language, and implanting ideas of social justice, this demon of religiosity changes the behavior, thoughts, and speech of people to rely on their connection to the entity of their group rather than a relationship with God. The demon of communism taught you to trust the government, not each other. Because you know, there's snitches in communism. Because you can't trust each other, you've got to trust big brother, government. This does the same thing. You trust in the entity of the group that you are with, rather than having a personal walk with God. The holy church of God will tell you to walk with God. The lukewarm pagan church will tell you to Make a connect group. Have a small group. Love on each other that way. Never expect to change. May Christians everywhere see that schemes of this spirit of religiosity and not fall victim to its traps. Amen. 